Hey, hey, hey! What's the fuss? And tell me what's happening. This is Pyromaniac Mo, coming at you with a live fantasy football talk. Today, I've been graced once again with Matt Harrison. Uh, he can be found on Twitter, at Explosive Output. He is a writer and digital experience manager at League Safe and League Safe Post. He can be heard on the podcast Fantasy Football Almost Daily and the nation's longest-running fantasy football radio show, Fantasy Football Weekly. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well, and I would like to say you have a special place in my heart. Uh, you were the very first interview I ever did, and uh, you've been gracious enough to come back for more. You are a mountain of charity, sir. <laughs> yeah, you get the big names after me, though. I'm I'm just the leadoff batter, and then you get the heavy hitters like John Tuvey and Mike Clay and all those guys, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to be the leadoff hitter. I've talked to them, but I come back for you, man. That's right. Well, I'm top of the order. Well, <laughs> tell me, uh, what's new in the League Safe world these days? Uh, at League Safe, we've been working on a, a new uh, league, uh, league site called uh, Safe Leagues, where you can actually uh, go find a, a paid money league to play. Um, we offer third-party commissioner service. So uh, to make sure everything's on the up and up. And uh, one of the things we talked about in the last interview is we actually offer Empire Leagues, which is uh, something that nobody else can offer or nobody else is offering, really. Um, Empire League, uh, just to kind of go back on it, is uh, it's a dynasty league, a full-on dynasty league. You hold everybody on your roster. And uh, when a person wins the championship back-to-back in consecutive years, uh, they get a rolling empire pot. The rolling empire pot that we do for our home league uh, for, for the office is uh, 50% of our pot goes to yearly winners and 50% of the pot goes into the rolling empire pot. So as you can imagine, the money gets kind of big pretty quickly if half of your pot's going into this rolling pot that somebody's going to win. So uh, yeah, you if you win two years in a row, you end up uh, taking down a pretty big payday. Um, in the Office Empire League, we're going into year four. Uh, I am the reigning champion right now, but I'm also sitting on Jordy Nelson, Le'Veon Bell, LeGarrette Blunt, and Antonio Gates. So it's not looking good, at least for the first couple weeks. So, uh, ouch. Tough sledding in that league. But uh, um, yeah, so Safe Leagues offers uh, Empire Leagues. Um, there's actually a league where you can play with me. Uh, it's called the one T challenge. I think we have one spot open in it. It's going to be an email draft and that's just going to be a redraft league. Um, but there's a, a handful of other leagues out there where you can play against some of the guys from uh, league safe and fantasy football weekly. Um, you kind of just have to monitor their Twitter accounts because we send out private links for those, but there's also a handful of just public leagues that we have uh, both empire and redraft. We offer auction we offer uh, email draft, and we offer live draft. So uh, I'll run through uh, the good folks over at MFL. Um, we got a nice little skin on our, uh, on our, on our league over there. Uh, it looks really clean and clear and crisp. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we like it quite a bit. It's, it's doing pretty well so far. That's awesome. Um, my buddy D-Rex and I, I believe it was on uh, Pyro Light Podcast 3, we talked about the Empire League. We gave you guys a shout-out, you and Paul Chargian, Christian Peterson, and what a great idea that is. keeps everyone uh, in a vested interest throughout the year, and it can certainly stack up. Uh, the money can be well worth it in the end. 
Uh, you guys also did something else kind of cool. It was the uh, Fantasy Football Training Camp. Uh, yeah. That was a very big event there in Minnesota. Uh, tell our listeners uh, what goes on at the training camp, both on air and off air. Um, so, yeah, we do fantasy football training camp. This was, I believe, our seventh year of doing it. It was the fourth year that I was involved in it. Um, and this year we did, uh, in the past couple of years, we've done uh, some local Minneapolis bars, um, a couple of really nice big venues uh, for bars. Uh, the Poor House was a really nice one, had a nice stage, fit about four or 500 people. Um, but what we were finding is we were running out of space because people wanted to come to this free event. And so this year we moved up to uh, Mystic Lake Casino's big 2,000-seat showroom. Uh, I think we ended up with about six or 700 people who showed up. But it's a free event, and we do our fantasy football weekly radio show from 10 to noon. And then uh, from noon to 2, we do kind of a deep-dive PowerPoint presentation, uh, super nerdy stuff. Uh, I highlighted uh, uh, fast starts for uh, schedule um, for some of the uh, fantasy players at different positions. Uh, John Tuvey did a, uh, a good uh, examination of offensive lines. Christian Peterson always does a presentation on the analysis of a sleeper running back, how to, how to find a sleeper. And uh, he seems to unearth a guy who's on the verge of a big breakout, like DeMarco Murray was his big guy last year. And, man, that really worked well for him. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a deep dig into some of the, uh, the little subtle things that we can't really show on the radio because it requires, it requires visual aids basically. So it's a whole bunch of nerdy people like you and I sitting in a room, taking notes on a notebook going, Oh, this is, this is great. This is great. I got all the stuff I need. And, and really you come out of it with, a better sense of, of what's going to happen at the beginning of the season. I think we do a really good job with it. That's fantastic. Uh, geek is chic, as they say. That's right. So two, two questions. One, what was one of Christian Peterson's sleepers? And two, uh, tell me your off-air analysis. As you said, you did an examination of the schedule, particularly the first five weeks. Give me a synopsis of that. So give me, the, give me a sleeper there that Christian Peterson picked and uh, the synopsis of what you covered about the early schedule. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He he highlighted so many running backs, and I wasn't really paying attention. At that time, I was drinking some grain belt beer and socializing with some people. I'll have to go back and check out his presentation. I think the presentations will be available on kfan.com, and uh, Grain Belt Beer is the big title sponsor for, um, for the event. And I believe Grain Belt has a – I think it's called Football Friendly or Friendly Football – uh, their website, which also holds the uh, Crush Charge Challenge, which is a free contest you can play uh, at grainbelt.com. Uh, I believe the presentations will be at both of those places. If they're not up now, I'm guessing they'll probably be up by the end of the week. So, well, we certainly believe in uh, drinking over at Pyro. So it's it's the AM hours, so we're not drinking right now, but uh, Grain Belt Premium can be our brewery of the day. So. Oh, yeah. uh, what did you talk about, uh, the examination of the early week schedule? Um, it, it revealed a lot of interesting things with my schedule analysis. Um, it, I mean, we can go position by position. There are, there are, the Packers are in for some trouble this year, uh, especially in the early going. I know they've started one and two or two and two the last couple of years. 
And uh, as you can probably see, I'm a Viking fan. So that pleases me a little bit. But uh, they have a pretty rough schedule for quarterbacks and a pretty rough schedule for running backs to start the year. So Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy, although they're very good, probably first or second round picks, uh, uh, they're going to run into a tougher schedule to start the season than most people would like. I'm not sure that you downgrade them that far because of uh, because of the opening week schedule. But if you're planning on taking Rodgers or you're pl planning on taking Lacey, you want to look at your other players and you don't want to take a risk with those other players as well. Um, what I was kind of telling the people in the in the training camp was um, let's not have three or four of these players that I mentioned that are getting going to get off to rough starts on your roster. Because if you have four of them, you're probably going to lose four or five of your opening games and uh, then you're panicking and maybe selling low in the trade market. And that's totally not something that you want to do um, at the beginning of the year or really anytime you don't want to sell low. So, well, Lacey had kind of the same deal last year. He had a rough uh, start first four games on our scoring system. He was under 12 points. Yeah. Um, he, he has a rough start again this year. They get the bears in week one. And uh, that's that's a nice, easy schedule for them. But uh, after that, uh, I'm grabbing the data right now. Uh, they, he has kind of a rough go. Uh, he gets uh, four straight top ten run defenses after that. Seattle, Kansas City, San Francisco, St. Louis. Obviously, San Francisco is probably going to take a step back this year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Lacey, Lacey has kind of a tough go once he gets out of that uh, first first week against Chicago. Now, chances are you guys are do the opposite, guys, or upside down drafting where you may not end up with Lacey. Um, yeah, I probably now, won't. So knowing that you are an upside down drafter or do the opposite where you're going for the top tier quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, uh, give me a running back in rounds you know, four through nine, a couple running backs that you are targeting as an do the opposite drafter. Uh, I think Chris Ivory is a good one to target this year. I really think that the Jets are going to uh, actually give him the ball and make him a bell cow back there. Um, Schedule-wise, he's he's got a, a middle-of-the-road schedule, So, um, and, and the Jets are actually one of the toughest teams in their division against the run, so he doesn't have to obviously face the Jets, so that's a good thing. Um, I like Joseph Randall. Um, if it, and, and I'm kind of a do-the-opposite drafter but this year I've kind of modified it a little bit and my draft strategy really is um, I want to get two top flight wide receivers in my first three rounds um, possibly in my first two rounds because I think that the drop off at wide receiver is tough after that um, I want to go late on quarterback and I want to go late on tight end and I want to fill up uh, a lot of running backs and, and high-end wide receivers in my first uh maybe 10 rounds. So I, I, I would probably guess that in a traditional draft this year, if you're watching me draft, it's going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, and then insert wide receiver or running back for the next six rounds and just try to build a good base that way. There's enough good quarterbacks out there in a one quarterback league that you can get away with playing the matchups, having Carson Palmer as your starting quarterback, who's got a good start at the beginning of the year and uh, uh, had a pace of, 4,400 yards last year uh, had he stayed healthy. So, um, And tight ends, if you don't get Gronk, um, the drop-off is pretty huge after that. So um, 
if, if Gronk's not available to me, I'm, I'm probably waiting and probably going with one of those sleeper guys that you can kind of get late. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Uh, late round QB. I have no problem streaming tight end, like you say, unless you get Gronk. I'm hoping for a top five running back. And after that, I'm going to lock up some of the best wide receivers I can, maybe two, maybe three. Um, and then late round running back lottery tickets, five, six running backs, as many as I can load up on. Hey, we always ask uh, folks to kind of give us a peek behind the curtain. So give me a resource that you yourself use during the season. Uh, it could be a website. It could be an app. Maybe even it's a unique stat or a data point. I had Pat Thorman talking about uh, some Vegas data points. That was his go-to. What's one of your go-to things during the season? Um, I like to use – well, I, I think I uh, pimped them a little bit last time, but uh, Fantasy Football Today is a good – solid website that's got clean, easy to use, easy to sort stats. Um, you can kind of find your way around it. It's fftoday.com. Um, they do really good work. Uh, it, it, it's the easiest way to find the stats that you need to uh, at, at least start your research. Um, Pro Football Focus is obviously a really good one. Um, they have some some deep statistics on on. Uh, some of the wide receivers that I really like. Um, Profootballreference.com um, is also a good one because they have some search functions that you can find some really interesting statistics uh, within that. Um, Those are about uh, my three main ones as well. Yeah. Uh, good, good calls. Hey, in the news recently, we've had some big news hit the fantasy world, particularly in the way of injury. Uh, I've got some interesting numbers, thanks to my buddy Jake Davidow from Sports Injury Predictor. In fact, I tweeted a link to this story. In fact, I heard John Tuvey talk about it. Um, yeah. But essentially, 66% of all players injured in the preseason in the last two years were then re-injured during the regular season. Yeah, now, there's, there's a caveat to that. Some of those dudes are fourth stringers, you know, so their chance of re-injury is not as high. They're not as out there as, as much. But first stringers, if they're injured in the preseason, they have a 77% chance of getting re-injured. You know, with that said, uh, a guy like LaShawn McCoy, he's going to uh, miss the remainder of the pre preseason. Um, he was going at the tail end of the first round. According to Fantasy Football Calculator, he's now uh, in the second. You know, how do you feel about McCoy once the season gets rolling, both his chance of re-injury and basically overall performance? One of the things that we did uh, at Fantasy Football Training Camp is we do a uh, quote-unquote experts uh, slash celebrity mock draft where uh, a couple of, uh, well, all, all of all the guys who are involved in the radio show, a couple of our writers, and uh, a couple of uh, local radio celebrities uh, pop in, and we do a 10-team mock draft. Um, mostly heavy on the mocking and uh, <laughs> a, a little bit heavy on, on the beer, um, but it's, it's a pretty good time. I dig both those things. I believe that LaShawn McCoy in that draft lasted to the fifth round. Wow. Um, mostly because we all kind of feel the same way about him. It's a new system in Buffalo. He's got quarterback situations that are, it's probably the worst quarterback situation in the league right now. Um, we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Uh, he's had some injury, uh, issues in the past and there's the undead corpse of Fred Jackson there to steal touches near the end zone. 
So he's not a guy that I'm super excited about. I think that when he is in the game, they're going to try to feed him the ball quite a bit. But I'm also worried that when they feed him that ball, it might not be as quality as you'd want. Um, we saw that a lot last year with a, with a few players who, uh, like Calvin Johnson, for instance, who was really injured most of the season. And while he played 14 games, he wasn't effective in all 14 of those games. So I think McCoy is going to be one of those guys who he'll, he'll be a warrior. He'll, he'll suit up and he'll play, but he's just not going to be as effective as I want. And I'm going to let somebody else in my league draft him and, uh, and deal with it. And if I'm wrong and he's the LaShawn McCoy of old, so be it. But I'd rather jump off too early and, uh, and try to figure out something else than, than be a year too late. If there's anything I know from watching TV, it is fear the walking dead, especially, <laughs> especially an undead Fred Jackson. Now, right. in Chicago, the rookie Kevin White, he's on the pup. Uh, chances are he might even miss his uh, rookie season. You know, I don't want to focus on him per se, but mm-hmm. how does this affect uh, his fantasy team? Who gets the biggest boost there? Is it Alshon Jeffrey, Marquise Wilson, Eddie Royal, Bellamy, Bennett? Uh, who gets the biggest bonus uh, because of the Kevin White news? I think it hurts Alshon the most. Um, obviously, he's going to get the ball fed to him maybe more, but it's pretty easy to go, well, there's Eddie Royal over there and there's Alshon Jeffrey over there. Who are we going to double cover? It's going to be Alshon. Um, I, I think Eddie Royal is the other starter um, and, and should probably get some decent play. I believe that this uh, coaching staff had him for a little while in Denver when uh, John Fox was there, so they know him just a little bit. Well, Cutler uh, knows him too. Uh, yeah. His rookie year, we with smoking right. Jay, he had Royal had his best, well, best yards, best targets. Yeah, Chicago is just Denver West, it seems, uh, with Cutler, John Fox, Brandon Marshall, who's already gone through, and now Eddie Royal. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think Eddie Royals um, slotted in to get some decent fantasy numbers, kind of some sneaky fantasy numbers. He's he's going to be a guy that probably will go undrafted in most standard redraft leagues, but he's a guy that if you don't draft him with the last pick in your draft, you should kind of just put him on your watch list just to make sure that uh, if if he does blow up in one game, I don't think it's completely a fluke. Um, he might have some up and down games um, this year. I mean, he'll have a game where he gets four catches for 30 yards, but he'll probably have a game or two where he knocks off a hundred yards and two touchdowns. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. That bears defense is horrible and they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So that means Jay Cutler is going to be throwing the ball a lot. And uh, Eddie Royal is a good enough player to get it done. So I think he's a, uh, not a sexy name, but uh, he's a guy that you can kind of keep in the back of your mind and throw it on your watch list on your uh, free agent guys. Could be overreaction. Uh, fantasy football calculators got him going at the back of the eighth right now. Probably a lot of reaction to uh, the Kevin White news. Hey, let's move down south to uh, Houston with uh, Arian Foster. Um, mm-hmm. Who steps up there? Are you a blue believer? In other words, as, as, as Will Farrell said it, is blue your boy too? <laughs> No, I, I, I don't think that uh, I want any part of the Houston running game this year. Um, with Foster uh, injured, and, and we really don't know 
Um, I, I've heard reports that Foster might not even hit the pup list, and he might be back uh, late September. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Aaron Foster is just an enigma of a player. Um, if if he's looming and you're drafting Alfred Blue high, um, I think that you're going to be disappointed with what Alfred Blue does. So uh, I think that the 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 way that you tackle the Houston running game, and I think that the only real way you can do it is if you're in an auction league and you happen to get in on both of them at a price that's incredibly low or well below market value. Uh, I think you're probably still going to have to draft uh, Alfred Blue too high and probably Arian Foster a little bit too high for my liking. And if somebody sees that you draft one, they're probably going to uh, gobble up the other one on you. So um, it's kind of like McCoy. It's one of those running game situations where somebody's already hurt. And while Foster may come back, he might not be at full speed and, Blue might just be in question the whole year. Am, am I the starter? Am I the backup? And is it a 50-50 timeshare? I just don't want to mess with it. I don't want to mess with it at all. Well, then we've got the uh, wide receivers. Uh, we've got certainly Hopkins. We've been debating whether if the foster injury helps or hurts. Now we've also got the news that Hoyer is uh, the QB. Is is this a good thing for Hopkins? Is this a bad thing for Hopkins, both Hoyer and the foster injury? Well, I don't think that uh, – well, the foster injury is bad for Hopkins. Um, That's what I say. One of the things that we always say at Fantasy Football Weekly is uh, what's bad for the offense is bad for the offense. Um, uh, Jordy Nelson going down in Green Bay is bad for Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy and and Randall Cobb. It's probably good for Devontae Adams, but it's bad for those other guys. So um, uh, what's bad for the offense is bad for the offense. I don't think Hoyer's a a bad play. Uh, I saw Bill O'Brien's clip from Hard Knocks where he named the starting quarterback, and he just said that uh, Brian was the most consistent player in training camp. And I think Hoyer has proven in the past that he's he's an all right player. Um, I'd rather him be my backup on my team, but uh, he's he's a pretty good player, and uh, he can uh, he can get things done on the field. So. I don't think that Brian Hoyer being the quarterback hurts Hopkins any more than uh, Ryan Mallett does. Or, I mean, we had Matt Schaub there in the past, and and, and that didn't work out too well. So uh, it's been a mess at that quarterback position in Houston for a long time. So um, Hopkins I'm a little worried because uh, Andre Johnson's gone, frankly. And yeah. uh, they can focus on him a lot more. I think Cecil Shorts is a good player. Um we call him Adobe CS3 at uh, at the office, but uh, um, Shorts is a good player. He's proven to be a good player on a bad offense before, and he's Brian Hoyer might be the best quarterback he's ever caught balls from. Uh, Nate Washington has proven to be a, a decent deep threat for the last decade, and and there's there's a few other guys on that roster that they're all right, chip in a chair kind of thing. Um, Hopkins isn't a guy that I'm looking at as a wide receiver one, though. Um, He's a middle-of-the-road wide receiver two for me. And uh, there's some guys that I think that might have more upside than Hopkins. Um, And and I'm just nervous, frankly, that uh, in the past, Houston just hasn't thrown enough touchdowns to their wide receivers. Obviously, Andre Johnson, who was there forever, 
never caught more than nine in a season. So um, it, it's, it's a little concerning to me that I think Hopkins had six last year, but it's a little concerning that uh, I, I want that number to be higher out of a guy that I'm going to anoint as one of my uh, surefire wide receiver starters. That's kind of my sentiments exactly for uh, what's going on down in Houston. Now, you mentioned uh, Devonta Adams and, and, of course, Jordy Nelson. Keeping your Minnesota Vikings venomous attitude out of it. Let's just look objectively at Green Bay. Who benefits the most? Is it indeed Devonta? We've heard talk about uh, Ty Montgomery, Jeff Janis, uh, Richard Rodgers. Who steps up the most? Who's at the, the biggest plus for Jordy going down? I think it's Devonte Adams, and I don't think it's very close because he easily slots into the uh, second starting wide receiver role. Um, Janice is a, a big measurables guy. I believe he's six three and has like the four three speed and stuff like that. Excuse me, but he was a I think he was a sixth or seventh round pick last year, and then uh, Ty Montgomery was a third round pick. Right, so they got a little bit more invested in him. He's a lot smaller. He's built a little bit more like Randall Cobb is, though. Um, so I don't know if Ty Montgomery fits into the system as well as Jeff Janis, but obviously the Packers are a little more invested in uh, Montgomery. So I, I think that the surefire thing is Adams is, is now, uh, I think, firmly a wide receiver too. He's probably a guy that I'd want over DeAndre Hopkins, to be honest with you. Where are you going to take Adams in a draft? His ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is fifth. Again, I think a lot of this is oh, fifth round, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. I find him very up-to-date. Uh, I like that you can chart and, and see where they were three weeks ago. I think a lot of it is certainly overreaction. I think that yeah. might come down. But knowing that he's fifth, uh, where would you feel comfortable taking Devontae Adams in a redraft league? I think the fifth round's... A, a pretty good spot. Um, if if you were a big time Packer believer, um, I could see you reaching into the fourth round for him. Um, I think that's that's pretty strong to do that. But uh, if you can get him in the fifth or sixth round, I think you'd be really happy. Um, and I think that you're going to get some decent numbers out of this. I I don't think he slots into Jordy's numbers specifically, but uh, he showed. A little bit at the end of last season and a couple games down the stretch that he's a good enough player to uh, to make some some great fantasy numbers for you. And really, it's the best. I, I, I'm not objective. It's the best offense in the league right now. I think. Um, yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably the best player in the NFL, and uh, I, I still think their coaching staff is terrible. But uh, the, the, Mike McCarthy obviously removed himself from play calling duties. Maybe that helps a little bit. But I think Rodgers is a quarterback that can overcome all that stuff. And uh, he's I, – I, man, I, I, I can't bet against the Packers too much uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Now, we talked about this uh, at length, I believe, my last uh, Pyro Light podcast, but the Kelvin Benjamin injury. Just briefly, who do you – as I agree with you, uh, what's bad for the team is bad for the whole team. But with the Kelvin Benjamin injury – who do you feel benefits the most? Well, Devin Funchess obviously slides in to be the number one wide receiver. Can he handle uh, it? Who knows? Do we think Kelvin Benjamin could handle it last year? I mean, there were a lot of detractors last year on Benjamin, and uh, he turned out to have a pretty good year. Uh, they're built pretty similarly. 
Obviously, Benjamin had a, a little bit of the higher draft pedigree, but uh, Funchess is 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 a good player in his own right, and uh, I think people are a little too down on him. Um, but you got to remember that Cam Newton has thrown over 21 touchdown passes only once in his career, and he threw 24. Uh, he averages about 20 touchdowns a year. If you kind of move that around and break it down, um, maybe it's uh, – six for Greg Olson and maybe it's uh, six for Funchess and a couple for the running backs and a couple for the rest of the wide receivers. And uh, it, it's a little nerve wracking taking any part of the Panthers passing game this year. Uh, I think Olson will probably be the primary focus in the red zone, but uh, who knows if it's not just Cam Newton going, you know what? I'm going to be Cam Newton and I'm going to take off running. I could see a scenario this year where Cam Newton has 16 touchdown passes, but has 14 rushing touchdowns. I could see that scenario playing out fairly, fairly easily this year. So um, I thought and, C, I, I thought CP was the only uh, Cam lover amongst you guys. Yeah, but I, I think that that offense and, and that team, I mean, the the general manager even of the Panthers even came out and said, "We have to, we have to let Cam be Cam, and we have to, we can't force him to be a pocket passer, and we can't um, force him to be a player he's not. He's a big, good runner, and why stop that?" Um, I, I've, I've frankly been surprised that the last few years that they've taken, they they've seemed to taken the ball out of his hands near the goal line. And Jonathan Stewart is obviously a, a injury risk. He's missed uh, at least three games in each of the past three years. That's why I'm loving Cap, his backup uh, as a sleeper. Cameron Ernest Payne, yeah, you, you got it. He's a good uh, good handcuff or or a good shot in the dark kind of a guy. Uh, a late late uh, yeah. kind of pick. So, um, but yeah, I I could see a scenario where Cam Newton. Uh, jumps up in the rushing touchdowns this year. I think he only had four last year, something really low. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that happening, though. I like the advice, let Cam be Cam, let me be me. I, I keep saying the exact same thing to my wife, let me be me. I want to dance, damn it. Sorry. Anyway, uh, what about Alex Smith? And, oh, you know what? We're performing without a net, so I've got one of my daughters – gracing the stage here so all right and she exits stage left um i got a serious question for you there okay how did you celebrate alex smith tossing a touchdown to a wide receiver i mean was there cake to be had did you uh, go out to the strip club was there billy d williams old english 40s uh how do you roll when it comes to a wide receiver touchdown in kc over a year in the making oh man uh Definitely not old English. Gosh, we had a we had a party one time where we all had to drink forties, and Ooh. man, it was not a, it was not a good party. Was this the high school high school days? Liquor. High no, school. No. Days. So th- this is totally off topic. But my friends and I every uh, every year or two we do a uh, all night campfire, and uh, every hour of our all night campfire we have a different theme. And somebody gets to pick a new theme. So as soon as it hits the hour, we have a new theme. And uh, one of our themes during the all-night campfire was 40s. Oh. Uh, and it was we were, we were all just drinking these 
terrible, terrible malt liquors. And it was one of the worst experiences of, of that hour really. Um, so, but, but, uh, I highly recommend the, uh, the hourly progressive parties, especially if you're going to go all nighters with your friends. It's pretty fun. I like the theme party switching up every hour, but mm -hmm. drinking forties all hour. I, I'm pretty sure that's one of Dante's levels of hell. That does not sound. Enjoyable. We had a balloons farm hour, uh, in one of, them, one of them too. I think that was a different party, but, uh, Woo! Yeah, it, it, it got pretty silly. Well, so uh, back to the back to the Kansas City. Back to Kansas City. I mean, the um, only the only real receiver, I've, unless you've got someone. But uh, let's talk Macklin real quick. Unless you want to bring up someone else, how do you think he's going to fare this year? He's going in the fifth, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. What are your thoughts on Macklin? Well, I'm I'm worried that Alex Smith can't get the ball to Macklin. Uh, still, um, he's a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. But he also doesn't take a lot of risks. Um, he's he's going to be a guy who doesn't win Kansas City games but doesn't lose Kansas City games for the most part. So he's going to keep the passes short. Um, when he gets down to the red zone, he's going to go to his tall guy, Travis Kelsey, uh, or they're going to hand the ball to Jamal Charles or Niall Davis, who actually had quite a bit of a run inside the five last year. Um, I think that they have their offense set up to, to do that under Andy Reid. Um, I think Macklin's going to have to break his touchdowns um, off of short passes, which makes me really nervous. If, if you're catching a pass 10, 15 yards downfield and you're required to make up the rest of the 30 to 60 yards, that's got me a little worried. So Macklin's not a guy that I want in the fifth round. I, 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 again, going back to Devontae Adams, I'd probably rather have Devontae Adams than Jeremy Macklin this year. Better offense, better situation. Um, it, both both are kind of going in the fifth round, right? So yeah. um, if, if I had the choice between the two, it's it's kind of an easy choice for me. I'm going to take the guy in the better, higher scoring offense. I believe I concur. I'd rather have um, a Green Bay quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, throwing it to me than Smith any day. Now, And we're back to Aaron Rodgers versus Alex Smith all over again. There it it's, is. A, it's like the dragon swallowing its own tail. Um, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, now I want to bring this up to you because for the audience that does not know, you are a Minnesotan, as your shirt says, and as we've uh, picked up. But uh, recently, according to FFC, Fantasy Football Calculator, Mike Wallace was just overtaken, his ADP. Uh, Charles Johnson is now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, the first Viking receiver off the board. Uh, they're right behind each other. Charles was going in the seventh, and I think even Wallace is going late seventh. But the point is, all summer it seemed that Wallace was going first, and now all of a sudden, Johnson's going first. Now, obviously, ADPs change from site to site. I saw, even just today, um, NFL Fantasy fantasy prices, right? They said he, uh, Charles Johnson was going in the eighth. Regardless... They're pretty close. Which one are you taking first? Which Vikings wide receiver? Well, between the two, I think Mike Wallace has the upside. Um, we've seen him do it in the past, and Teddy Bridgewater's never had, well, never in his one season of play, had the, the real big deep threat that we've, we've been hoping for in Minnesota. Um, I think him and Charles Johnson have a very good rapport. Um, I think Johnson is the possession guy. Um, I think in a PPR league, you can feel 
feel all right with him. But if you're looking for upside and you're looking for one of those two guys to maybe pop into the eight, nine, 10 touchdown range, I think it's Mike Wallace doing it. And I think the helpful part is that Adrian Peterson comes back and joins that offense this year. So, uh, if you got to put uh, eight in the box, nine in the box, maybe against Peterson in some situations, that's just going to open things up for, uh, for Mike Wallace to uh, scream downfield. Some are questioning Teddy's arm strength, um, and he doesn't have the, the strongest arm in the NFL, but I think he's got enough arm strength that uh, he can put it down there, and he hasn't had a player like, like that. Greg Jennings was not that player anymore last year. Um, Jarius Wright not really that player. Cordero Patterson has proven that he hasn't figured out how to run a route yet, uh, as, as evidenced by a really bad interception in the last preseason game against Oakland, where uh, I think Sean Hill threw a ball. No one was there but an uh, Oakland player. And they looked, and, oh, it was Cordero who was supposed to run a route to that spot, and he ran the other way. So um, Patterson's a guy that I'm not taking a chance on this year, but uh, – Mike Wallace is a guy that I think there's high upside there, and I think that they get him involved a lot, especially in the Norv Turner offense. See, I'm a really, I really like uh, Charles Johnson. I'd probably go with him first. But as Wallace did show us last year, he's not just a down-the-field guy. Heck, nine out of his ten touchdowns came in the red zone last well, year. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about that, too, with, with last year. I think he had the most weak-armed quarterback uh, maybe in, in yeah. the country in Ryan Tannehill. Um, Tannehill's insanely accurate and uh, did really well, but uh, obviously passing to Jarvis Landry 84 times last year, I believe Jarvis Landry averaged under 10 uh, yards per catch. And of the guys who had uh, caught 80 passes or more, I think he was like three or four yards per catch behind the rest of the guys. So he's going to be a dink and dunk quarterback. And I think that's what Mike Wallace got, got stuck in last year. And he probably got really frustrated with it, which I think was why Miami was so eager to ship him away is he didn't get the downfield uh, routes that he, he wanted to, to, to run uh, like he did in Pittsburgh. And uh, I think that he'll, he'll have that ability a little bit more in Minnesota. Minnesota's an exciting offense with a healthy Rudolph. Like you say, they can't stack the box with AP. Uh, they got these great, great wide receivers, uh, quarterback that's looking up. I'm excited to see Minnesota this year. Lots of fantasy weapons. Mm-hmm. Finally, my last question for you. I asked this to uh, Matt Waldman as well. There's a classic song originally performed by Amos Milburn, but probably made famous by John Lee Hooker. One bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. So along those lines... Give me one breakout, one sleeper, and one bust. Um, I think the sleeper, in my mind, uh, let's, we'll start with that. Um, I'm going to go Nelson Aguilar of the Philadelphia Eagles. Love him. Rookie wide receiver. Um, Jordan Matthews did not get much run inside uh, of the five-yard line for the Eagles. I believe he only had like two or three targets last year inside the five. And Aguilar is a smaller guy, and uh, he figures to play the slot a lot. And I think that the Eagles uh, will have the ability to kind of throw him some little underneath routes that uh, he can shake loose and, and do some good stuff with. So uh, a lot of people are really high on Jordan Matthews after Macklin left. Um, 
I think that Nelson Aguilar picks up a lot of that, and it's not just Jordan Matthews picking up the uh, the slack there. Uh, I agree totally. My bust. This is going to be slightly controversial. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Um, I, I, I don't want Le'Veon Bell this year, and I'm stuck with him in a dynasty league. Um, here's why. He misses the first two weeks due to a suspension. Uh, then he comes off suspension to face four of the top ten run defenses in his next five weeks, St. Louis, Baltimore, Arizona, and Kansas City. He's got a bye in week 11. He's got Seattle in week 12. And then he's got Baltimore again in week 16, your fantasy championship. So in nine of 16 fantasy weeks, he's either out or he has a tough matchup. Uh, He's not a guy. And I I believe uh, that football injury predictor site uh, had him listed as the most probable running back to get injured this year. So he's a guy that I think everybody's really excited about but we see massive failure at the top five running back position every year. And I think that he's a guy who has, has all the earmarks of, of somebody who could have a catastrophic year and absolutely lose you your fantasy league. Um, how about a breakout? Um, I think Joseph Randall is the breakout this year. Um, they, their their schedule might be the easiest in the NFL to start the season. Uh, he's got four straight games to start the year against bottom 10 run defenses. Um, he's got one of the best offensive lines in the league. And uh, put those combinations together. They're going to give him the shot first. Um, he's got easy defenses and a great offensive line. I think in the first four weeks, you're going to see that Joseph Randall, if you draft him in the fourth or fifth round, he could return you second round value um, if you wanted to trade him after the first couple of weeks. And I think once he gets that confidence of, of getting uh, four weeks in against some of the, the bad teams in the league, it might be, he he might just be DeMarco Murray volume two this year. Um, So he's a guy that uh, I think he's poised for a breakout. And if he doesn't, it might be somebody else in that system. And I, I, Darren McFadden's a guy that I mentioned on the podcast about four or five times. Uh, Jerry Jones loves his Arkansas Razorback boys, and uh, that's Darren McFadden right there. Um, if he can stay healthy, McFadden's never had an opportunity like this in the NFL. He's never had an offense that's uh, this good. He's never had an offensive line or a quarterback or a wide receiver lineup with him that's anywhere close to this good. If he can just stay healthy – Man, the pedigree's there, and I would be really excited to have a healthy Darren McFadden on my team if he was competing for the starting spot. Well, I think I'm with you on two of the three. I am all over Aggie. Uh, He's going in the sixth. Jordan Matthews is going in the third. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Aggie surpasses. I think they've easily got two 1,000-yard receivers. I think Aggie could be the best receiver on the team. I love him. Uh, Boslavian Bell, I, I like it. You know, gosh, if he misses, just gets tweaked, miss, uh, tweaks an ankle, something uh, due to injury, those games are starting to stack up, and that's going to take a yeah. fan- fantasy toll. And like you say with Randall, not as confident on him, but boy, that line, they are hard to argue with. And uh, I've been burned on McFadden before, but the boy's got talent. And if he can stay healthy um, behind that line, there could be some magic there. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to conclude our fantasy football talk. I'd like to thank Matt Harrison for gracing my screen for the second time. Matt, it has been my pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. Folks, this has been another fantasy football talk. You can follow Matt uh, on Twitter at Explosive Output. Of course, I am Pyromaniac Mo at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. You can follow the rest of the Pyromaniac Boys on Twitter at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. Of course, check out our podcasts, The Heavy and The Light. We're available on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher. We've got our draft kit out. Uh, Pyro Pro is available for you. And, of course, we've always got free content. Plus, you can interact with us on Facebook forward slash Pyromaniac. It's been a pleasure, guys. We will catch you next time.